The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Masarowski. Kansas City Police confirmed 22 people suffered gunshot wounds following a shooting yesterday afternoon just after the Chiefs parade and rally ended. We did see uh, two police officers leave someone away in handcuffs, so I don't know if that was him or not. Um, I just kind of went cuffs, turning in the other way, because at that point, I don't want to see anything else. Children's Mercy Hospital confirmed it's treating 12 patients from the rally, 11 of which are children. Police say three suspects have been detained and at least one firearm recovered. Andrew Dimbert has more. All right, we are uh, here to give another update. This was a big event that the city prepared for. So there were hundreds of officers all over the place, about 800 officers specifically assigned just to monitor this area with thousands of people. And then there were 24 other law enforcement agencies who were brought in to help keep things safe. Yet with all those officers on the scene, we still had this shooting. That's Alex Perez. It was two Chiefs fans credited as being heroes after they tackled one of the suspects, held him down until police arrived. Yeah, I saw some of that video and heard some interviews with them later. Unbelievable that they were able to do that. And here in Western New York, those with experience in large event security were reacting for WBEN. Here's our Brayton Wilson. Local security and law enforcement experts like Jeff Ronaldo from Vista Security Group were disgusted, but sadly not surprised by what transpired. You have a large crowd of people. It's in an open, uncontrolled space. And unfortunately, somebody or somebody's produces a handgun, and this is the result. It's a nightmare situation for law enforcement. They have to respond to and try to stop that threat. Ronaldo fully understands the type of planning that goes into ensuring the safety of people attending such large gatherings like a Super Bowl parade, with most of these events getting planned months ahead of even the possibility of it happening. But no matter how many officers or personnel that may be set in place for a specific event, the full security effect is never always perfect. Here's more from Dr. Stephen McMartin, director for the cybersecurity program at Hilbert College. There's no way these things can be stopped, and you saw it here today. All the planning, all the preparation, all the uniformed and ununiformed plainclothes policemen in the world can't stop an event like this. But the preparation can, in effect, reduce and mitigate what can happen due to an event like this. More from McMartin and Ronaldo in response to Wednesday's shooting in Kansas City is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Brayton, thank you. Much more to come on this throughout the morning here on WBEN, where it's 505. Back here in western New York, the owners of the costume company that was destroyed in last year's massive Main Street fire that killed a Buffalo firefighter is suing the contracting company and the building owner for negligence. DC Theatrics formerly occupied 743 Main Street downtown, which was destroyed in the fire. The suit claims the building's owner, a company owned by former Congressman Chris Jacobs, did not prioritize the safety of occupants as repairs were being made. That fire killed Buffalo firefighter Jason Arno. In November, Arno's widow filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the city, fire department, owner of the building, and contracting company. In Washington, the Biden administration is on guard as fears of a serious new threat emerges to U.S. national security. CBS News reports the U.S. has informed Congress of new intelligence about Russian plans to put a nuclear-capable weapon in space that could threaten U.S. satellites. The U.S. has been tracking Russian attempts to develop a nuclear-capable weapon that could take down U.S. satellites, knocking out the ability to communicate. 
National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan provided no detail, but didn't deny a threat exists. It is impossible to answer with a straight yes, right? Because Americans uh, understand that there are a range of threats and challenges in the world that we're dealing with every single day. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Turner of Ohio first revealed the existence of a threat and called on President Biden to declassify all information relating to it. Other lawmakers familiar with the details say there's no cause for concern. That's Ed O'Keefe in Washington. Definitely an alarming statement that was put out yesterday uh, on social media, of course, of all places. 5.06 now on WBEM. Well, Changing state regulations on home and commercial building heating and appliances, plus the increase in electric vehicle use, are not just expected to increase the demand on the electric grid, but also the time of year when demand is highest. WBEN's Max Ferry looks into how some are preparing for that major shift. Summer is typically the peak demand for the electric grid, but now with new appliances, electric vehicles, and data centers, winter is becoming a high-demand period for our grids as well. According to a report from the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, by 2033, the rise in winter electricity demand, compared with the current level, is expected to exceed growth in demand compared to the summer. Trends that Dave Bertola with National Grid say correlate with what they've been looking at since New York lawmakers continue to convert the state to a more electric state of mind. New York State has a goal of using 70% renewable energy by 2030 and project that anywhere from 1 million to 2 million homes will need to be electrified with heat pumps by, by then. And, that, and, and by 2030, we're looking to have around 3 million zero emission vehicles on the road. So that definitely is going to be what, if anything, leads to that shift from summertime peak demand to winter. Are the grids strong enough to support this transition? Bertola says significant investment will continue to support the strengthening and expansion of their electric services. We're we're looking at planning 600 miles of new and upgraded transmission lines and at least 45 upgraded and new substations in the coming years, all to create this upgraded network to meet this demand. And as we're doing so, we're looking to create a network that's smarter, stronger, and cleaner. Hear more at WBEN.com. Max Ferry, WBEN.com News. I mean, that's a pretty big shift Very. if we're talking going from summer to, to winter. winter or all the time. I mean, I mean, what is it going to be? We're going to be talking about this in a live interview coming up a little bit later on this morning on just how a lot of these electric providers are planning on dealing with the shift, right. what it kind of means. Because you've got to think that eventually... In the next several years, it's going to be year-round, not just one time of year or another. Uh, 365, right? Although House Speaker Mike Johnson says he won't bring the foreign aid bill that was passed by the Senate up for a vote in his chamber, not everyone on his side of the Capitol is feeling that way. House Democratic leader Hawking Jeffries says the bill has enough Republican support to pass if Speaker Johnson just gets out the way. And it will pass the House with more than 300 votes. Even some Republicans like North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry agree. There's a clear majority in both the House and the Senate to support our allies globally. But predict a bumpy road ahead. It's just going to take a while and it's going to be very, very difficult. Johnson says the bill will be dead on arrival unless it reinstates Trump-era border security policies. And New York City suing social media companies. The lawsuit targets TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and YouTube, alleging the companies designed their apps to get young people addicted. The city is demanding the companies change their behavior and help cover the cost of mental health treatments. Those platforms now firing back. The parent company of Facebook and Instagram's 
saying, we want teens to have safe, age-appropriate experiences online. We have over 30 tools and features to support them and their parents. Okay, that's Rhiannon Alley with more as the city suing social media companies, claiming they're fueling the mental health crisis. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to follow that one. The exclusive WBN 7 weather forecast for this afternoon calls for it to be breezy with scattered showers of both rain and wet snow. Temperatures into the upper 30s. Wind advisories go up and they continue into tonight. We could easily see tonight some gusts close to 50 or even 55 miles per hour with showers of rain and wet snow. Temperatures dropping into the mid-20s. Tomorrow, blustery, mostly cloudy with a few flakes flying. The top temp near freezing. With your exclusive WBN 7 weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Josh Nichols. Dr. Michael Cummings is joining us live this morning, Vice Chair of Psychiatry for the University at Buffalo and Associate Medical Director at ECMC. Uh, Dr. Cummings, right off the top here, I want to start and ask you about that mass shooting yesterday in Kansas City, the shock and fear and vulnerability that so many people felt there, and really not just there, but here and elsewhere around the country. I mean, an event like this can deeply affect people, can it? Well, it really can. Um, You know, we talk so much about PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder and and things that are triggering that. But, you know, know, people expect to go to to celebrations like this um, and be safe and enjoy things. And and because of the shootings that we've had nationally, internationally, and unfortunately at home as well, um, you know, these can be huge triggers for people, bring up a lot of uh, thoughts and feelings that we've gone through with the TOPS um, tragedy and, and other things that we've dealt with as a community. So, yeah, it's a very difficult and unfortunate time. I, that stress of maybe a large event, we've talked about it before. It's not something that's too uncommon. You know, people don't like being in crowds. But I'm wondering if that's more and more people now and, and for different reasons. Well, I think so. You know, I mean, again, everyone's different and everyone, you know, has different things that may trigger them or or, or cause distress. Uh, But it's hard to wrap your head around, you know, the idea that you're going to something that's a celebration for your community, that you're going to enjoy, that um, that you've been looking forward to all year. And and, and, you know, when something goes a little bit awry, we're, we're disappointed. But when you have just such a senseless loss of life and injury and how many people it affects, it just, you know, it, there's really not words to put to it. And we're not even 24 hours since that happened, but some people may not feel the effects from this for days, right? Well, really, so post-traumatic stress disorder, kind of a definition really doesn't occur until about a month after the, the inciting trauma. We have something called acute stress disorder, which which many people have in, in, in something like this. And you have symptoms of irritability and nervousness and depression and anger and, and fear and all these things. And for most people, those things will subside um, over time. Post-traumatic stress disorder is something that happens afterwards where it really kind of consolidates and, and it affects your life uh, for a very long time, possibly forever. So, you know, it's one of those things that you just have to be on the lookout. And, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, we would talk about post-traumatic stress disorder being something you had to experience yourself or uh, a very close loved one or family member had to experience. But in, in today's time of social media and everything else, really experiencing what we call vicarious trauma, experiencing it, watching other people experience it, watching it in the media, talking about it, which, of course, we will all be doing, um, 
Um, and, and giving that it is both a tragedy and associated with sports, it will be on every aspect of media for, for, you know, for the next however long. Even seeing something that didn't directly affect you is enough to cause PTSD for some people. So people just need to be aware that if they're feeling distressed or having problems or struggling um, to reach out to their primary care providers, to, to you know, mental health professionals, to their church, to wherever they find support, um, because it's a very real thing, and, and, and it will affect people. Um, certainly it has, but it will affect people who are just talking about it, not just not merely people who experienced it. Well, we originally had asked you to come on to talk about another type of stressor, and that can be seasonal affective disorder. And around here in western New York, it's something we hear being talked about really every single year, especially around this time. When we mention this, I... Is there a difference between people who just say, ah, you know, it's it's gloomy, it's all right, it's kind of miserable out there, just blah, or an actual disorder that's medically diagnosed? Yeah, there really is. So, I mean, we all talk about winter blues and what we went like the entire month with like no sunlight and things like that. But in fact, like the lack of sunlight is a very important feature of seasonal affective disorder. So seasonal affective disorder is essentially the same thing as major depression. About 21 million Americans a year will have an episode, will be diagnosed with major depression. Um, I mean, if they went and got diagnosed, they'll be suffering from it. Keep in mind that if you take all the disability from all heart disease and all cancer and combine it, it's less than that from major depression. So it's a really big, important thing for our country and our community. The difference between major depression and seasonal depression is not the severity, nor is it um, how we treat it for the most part. It's how it happens. So it tends to happen as the sunlight becomes less and less. People start feeling it around, you know, late, late fall. And it usually lasts four or five months and starts subsiding when the sunlight starts coming back up. It's about 10 million Americans uh, suffer from it every year. If you have it, you're likely to have it more years than not, maybe not every year. Um, And it can be quite debilitating. Changes in sleep, changes in appetite, um, feelings of guilt, hopelessness, helplessness, um, suicidal thoughts and feelings. And we do know it's related to the sun on some level because communities that are in the very far northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere where they have less sunlight. So, you know, Alaska, where they go six months without sunlight, it's much more common. Um, and some of the treatments involve exposure to sunlight, light therapy, and, and traditional treatments that we would do for major depression as well. I was going to say, so people who are impacted by this or their life is impacted should do something about it. Absolutely. There's treatments for this. Um, and, and it's a little bit different than major depression, the fact that in major depression, some people will sleep more, some people will sleep less, some people's appetite will go up, some people's appetite will go down. This is almost looked at as kind of like an evolutionarily maladaptive form of hibernation for humans. Increased need for sleep, increased appetite, craving carbohydrates, often with weight gain. Um, but the treatments are, are very effective. And, and one of the first ones is just trying to get exposure to daylight and sunlight. And, you know, you have to balance that with risk of skin cancer and all those other things. But if it's a warm, sunny, well, warm is probably the wrong word. If it's a sunny day out, you know, trying to get outside, getting exposure to light. There are light boxes and therapy lights that you can buy now. It used to be prohibitively expensive that you can now purchase on on you know, the internet for $40, $50. And, and often you'll sit down in the morning and have these very bright lights kind of shine into your eyes from the side for 20, 30, 40 minutes can be very effective. Some evidence that vitamin D 
may help. And then more traditional therapies, psychotherapy, and occasionally medications. Um, but it's, a, it's an, a serious condition. It's not just I'm sad, but we often miss it also because it tends to start right around the holidays. And we also, mm. you know, obviously there's all kinds of things that can happen during Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and, and things like that, 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 you know, can cause distress to people. But this is a diagnosable, treatable psychiatric condition that we need to pay attention to. Well, Dr. Cummings, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Really do appreciate it. Dr. Michael Cummings, uh, Seasonal Affective Disorder and other things talking about this morning on WBEN. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.